open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come, and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous round about him. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings, to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy fields. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and casteth my words behind thee, when thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee, and see them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. The Old Testament lesson for this second Vespers of the Midweek Advent series in Malachi is written in the first and second chapters of the book of the prophet Malachi, beginning at the sixth verse. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, 
A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord of hosts? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrificeth to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear it, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory to my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart." Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the second chapter of the second epistle of St. Peter, 
beginning at the first verse. Brothers, false prophets also arose among the people, as false teachers will also be among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, denying even the master who bought them, bringing on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their immoral ways, and as a result, the way of the truth will be maligned. In covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words, whose sentence now from of old doesn't linger, and their destruction will not slumber. For if God didn't spare angels when they sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus, and committed them to pits of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and didn't spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah with seven others, a preacher of righteousness, when he brought a flood on the world of the ungodly, and, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, having made them an example to those who would live in an ungodly way, and delivered righteous Lot, who was very distressed by the lustful life of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them was tormented in his righteous soul from day to day with seeing and hearing lawless deeds." The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, but chiefly those who walk after the flesh in the lust of defilement and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, don't bring a railing judgment against them before the Lord. But these, as unreasoning creatures, born natural animals to be taken and destroyed, speaking evil in matters about which they are ignorant, will in their destroying surely be destroyed. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a man who was a master of a household who planted a vineyard set a hedge about it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower, leased it out to farmers, and went into another country. When the season for the fruit came near, he sent his servants to the farmers to receive his fruit. The farmers took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. But afterward he sent to them his son, saying, They will respect my son. But the farmers, when they saw the son, said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard, then killed him. When, therefore, the Lord of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those farmers? They told him, He will miserably destroy those miserable men, and will lease out the vineyard to other farmers who will give him the fruit in its season. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected was made the head of the corner. This was from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, God's kingdom will be taken away from you and will be given to a nation producing its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it will fall, it will scatter him as dust. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, 
and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. In his days shall Judah be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And tonight we return to the prophet Malachi. And the book opens, if you remember, with this message from the Lord of Israel. He opened by saying, you I have loved, and essentially you I have chosen. And yet last week we heard about the difficult lives in which the Jews lived in Malachi's time. How for their unfaithfulness they were exiled to Babylon, and they were slaves there for 70 years. How they were freed by the Persians and returned to the ruins of Jerusalem as a remnant. There are other Jewish brothers living as a diaspora abroad, no longer united. We heard as they returned that they rebuilt the temple and the city walls in their poverty, and that it all paled in comparison with what Solomon had built in splendor and riches. And it wasn't an easy life for the Jews. There was constant infighting. There were many who ignored the laws of God, even selling on the Sabbath day. And as a people, they were far from the height of their glory. They no longer ruled over themselves. They were ruled over by the Persians, by Gentiles. And to the Persians and the rest of the, of the world, they were a small, insignificant people. So from all this, Judah doesn't think that God loves them, that he isn't there for them. They no longer have full faith in the words of God. And that begins to show in how they teach and in how they live. The place within Judah where this lack of faith really shows the most begins with its religious leaders, the priests. And so that's where God begins as well in his rebuke to the people, his rebuke in love. The first people he takes aim at are those who lead the people. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor, my glory? And if I am a master, a lord, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priests, who despise my name. So this is the charge against the priest, the official divine charge. He says that you give honor and glory to your earthly fathers. You give fear to your governors, those who rule over you. But you don't revere me. You don't show me glory. In short, the charge is you don't honor me. You don't revere me. You despise my name. So he's flat out telling them, you have violated my second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Instead, you have despised it and blasphemed me. Which is a very heavy charge for the Jews who are called God's people. The sons of God. They don't honor their heavenly Father. However, the priests are like the people. They're not ready to acquiesce. They have no intention of repenting. Instead, just like the people, 
When God said, I love you, the people demanded, how have you loved us? The priests do the same thing. In the same hardness of heart, they ask, how have we despised your name? They don't have faith in God's word or accusation. They demand more. They demand proof. The Lord, though, is more than happy to provide the proof, to answer their question. So he tells them, you did it by offering polluted food upon my altar, the altar of the temple. And again, the priests show their hardness of heart. How have we polluted you? Maybe the priests are blind to their sins. Most likely, they're foolish in thinking they can hide from God. So God calls them out on it. He says, by, you have polluted, you've offered polluted food upon my altar. And this is how you have done it. By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. And when you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? And then he goes on a little later. But you profane the table when you say that the Lord's table is polluted. And its fruit, that is its food, may be despised. And you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick. And this you bring as your offering. Now I doubt the priests were as callous as to come out and just say to the people and teach them, the Lord's table is vile, it's worthless, pay no attention to it. We despise it. But what God is claiming here is that the priest's actions are tantamount to telling the people and teaching them the Lord's table is despised. And how do do they despise this? How do they teach this to the people? Well, the Lord commanded in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, that the animals used for sacrifice must be from their own flocks and without any blemish. But look what kind of sacrifices the priests accepted. Animals that were blind, animals that were lame, animals that were sick, animals that were even stolen by violence. These are the kind of animals the priests were letting the people offer up as sacrifices to God. Even animals they stole from their fellow Jews. This is what the priests allowed. They allowed that to be sacrificed to God, but would they ever give that to their earthly governor? Of course not. So they were teaching, in effect, whatever you offer to God, just assume it's good enough. But to the governor, you better offer the best. What is that saying except go ahead and despise it? Along with that, the priests even complain about the work. Now, it's true they they had a lot of work. They had it on their plate. They offered sacrifices in the morning. They do that and work throughout the day. Then they offer sacrifices in the evening again. And they do this every day. But they're doing the work of God on behalf of the people. And their response for being given this, this duty, this divine duty, is they say, what a weariness this is. As if to say, look at how much we have to work and look at how little pay we receive. As they offer sacrifices, they snort and they sneer at the sacrifices on the altar. And the people, they see this, they hear this. That's how they're being taught the Lord's table is polluted. It's food that we offer, it's despised. That is, the Lord's table and the sacrifices on it, they mean nothing. They do nothing. Because 
Look, we offer all this and we're miserable. We hate the work and the pay. So clearly this doesn't do anything. That's what the priests were teaching them with their actions. It's not the attitude or life of faith. And to put this maybe in a little more perspective, imagine your congregation, let's picture a different pastor, and when it came to setting up the Lord's Supper, he wouldn't care if for bread you used the homemade wafers, he wouldn't care if you used the homemade wafers or even the crusty old bread that's been in your pantry for a week. He wouldn't care if you used wine that was purchased and set aside for use on Sunday or if you used the bottle of wine that you had left over from the party last night. But it goes a little deeper than that. If he led you in the sacrifice of prayer, imagine a pastor led you in a sacrifice of prayer to God by reading the prayers as quickly as possible and using short one-line prayers as if he didn't care. Because he didn't. He didn't think the prayers meant anything, so he just wanted to rapid-fire through them. Or imagine if for offerings he told you, eh, don't put your first fruits of your paycheck, time, or talents in the plate. Instead, go after all the earthly things first, then give the little that is left over. Or if he told you to just donate to the church all the junk that you have at home or that you don't want. Or if he told you, okay, you might have stolen some money, you may have gotten it in a dishonest way, but go ahead and put it in the offering plate. Go ahead and try to praise God with that. It's okay. Imagine if a pastor said that. Or if for hymns, he chose hymns which were catchy, emotional, but didn't teach the Trinity, didn't teach the Incarnation, didn't teach the Atonement or anything about the cross. Imagine praying such prayers or singing such hymns before the altar, before God himself. Imagine following the te that teaching on offering and putting those types of offering in the plate then having those offering offerings sit on the altar of God. That's what lack of faith in worship shows. That's what it does. They can show itself in other ways too. Some churches refuse to use bread and wine like our Lord commanded for the supper. They go with pizza and grape juice instead. Some churches use the altar as a mere table to put things on during the service. A microphone here, a random book there. They see it as a shelf rather than as a place of his presence. Some churches get rid of the altar entirely in order to make room for the pastor when he speaks so he can walk around or for the instruments when the band plays. Others forgo this sacred space altogether. They offer the Lord's, the Lord's Supper online. They do online communion. So the pastor is on the screen blessing the elements as everyone sits at home. Well, how much more can the Lord's table be despised if it's used either as a shelf or is not even here? Or if you don't even think the physical presence of it is needed? But yet you might be thinking, other congregations do that. That's not here. We still have the Lord's table. We revere the space. And it's true, we never move this altar. But are we sure that we always revere the space and what's on the table. If we pray before the altar without believing that God hears us, or sing hymns but have no faith in the words that we confess, is that honoring the altar? God's presence. When we hear the sermon but refuse to repent or believe what was faithfully proclaimed, is that glorifying God's name before the altar? 
When we come up to the Lord's table divided among each other, either by gossip or arguing or anger, infighting, does that bring honor and reverence to the body and blood that sit on the altar? And this does happen. If you are willing to let a sin you committed against a brother or a sin a brother committed against you just sit and fester, if you are unwilling to forgive your brother and have no desire to be forgiven by him, if you choose instead to let time deal with the sin instead of the love and forgiveness of Christ, time doesn't forgive. Christ does. But if you think all that stuff, then do you think you honor the name of God as you come to eat and drink divided amongst yourselves? No. And these were the actions of these Old Testament priests. They're the actions of unfaithful pastors today. And they're the actions of people that are unfaithful, full of disbelief. And those actions reveal all the same thing. It's disbelief in the world. It's violence and fracturing among the brothers. It's a turning away from what is true. Those Old Testament priests, or if we're full of disbelief today, would we dare pray, hallowed be your name, when we refuse to repent and actively dishonor his name? In that case, the words would be hollow and empty. And to that, God makes that point. He says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. In other words, what God is saying, instead of the fake show of worship, he'd rather see you turn off the lights, close the church doors, and go home. Because he says, I just don't want to hear it because I will not accept it. And the Lord is not joking. He will not accept worship that is a facade or works that come from our corrupted flesh where we try to justify ourselves. He won't receive them. That's why he warns the priests and all his people. He says, shall I accept from your hand, says the Lord. Instead, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock. In other words, cursed is he who offers a false sacrifice but keeps all the rest of the earthly goods at home. And then vows, vows to give what's best and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And this is what the Lord says of the curse. O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. I will, I have, indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I rebuke your offering, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. That is, you'll be taken out with the waste. The Lord says he will curse their blessings. What he means by that is this. He will remove his word. He'll remove his word from them and all their children. He will remove the priest from the priesthood, and they will no longer be sons of God. They'll be sent out with the waste, so to speak. 
They're removed from the promise of salvation because they reject the promise of salvation. They don't believe it. They're rejected. They're removed from the promise of salvation. They're rejected by God, not because of their poor sacrifices and outward actions, but because of the unbelief and lack of faith which gave the rotten fruit of terrible sacrifices. And the Lord especially lays this at the feet of the religious leaders because by their unfaithfulness, people are led out of faith. By their unfaithfulness, the word becomes corrupted. The rich are given favor. The poor are despised, all within the church. And no mercy would be found here. Malachi this section especially is a tough one to hear and a tough one to preach on because the words are so incredibly harsh. It's harsh to the priests, it's harsh to the pastors, it's harsh to us all. And to end with a curse is frightening. And none of it makes us feel very warm inside, none of it feels very Christmassy, none of it really puts us in the holiday spirit. So why does the Lord preach this? Why is this such an important book in Advent? Well, keep in mind why the Lord rebukes us. Remember how He opened this book. You ha- I have loved. You I have chosen. He rebukes in love. He rebukes to prepare us. And He is preparing us for the Advent of His Son. Whether that's preparing us for the Advent that leads to Christmas, or for our Lord's coming at the altar, or for His coming on the day of judgment. He's preparing us for when our Lord comes, so He doesn't find us with false worship. Because the Lord gives us this command of worship to show us His commandment and to continue His covenant with us. Not the covenant of Levi. That's past, that's gone but the covenant that was made by the cutting of our Lord's flesh and the spilling of our Lord's blood, the covenant of eternal life and everlasting peace of which we partake right here at this altar. Because this new covenant, this New Testament, is a covenant of fear just like the old one was. A covenant of reverence where we are baptized, our old man being put to death and our new nature being one of trust and reverence of God, of being in awe of His name that is placed on us. Because the Lord gives us this command so we may be prepared to meet the one He sends. The one who who has true instruction and catechesis on His mouth. The one who speaks no wrong from His lips. The one who isn't lame or blind or blemished in any way, but who walked with the Father perfectly in peace and righteousness. Who has turned us away from from the way of sin to the way of God. The one who, unlike those corrupt priests and pastors, does not cause people to stumble in catechesis or instruction. Who does not despise us who are poor and needy. Who doesn't show partiality. He's preparing us for our Lord to come. Harsh is the rebuke. But better that we be ready when the Lord comes. So then to prepare the way, here is what our Father and Lord desires. He desires repentance. To give us a new heart of true worship. With a God-given faith and a reverence that grasps and takes hold of everything that Christ gives us. That gives us peace with each other in the forgiveness of His Son as we commune united in Him. That allows us to walk in the uprightness of life. 
a life which trusts the word even when we feel like a small, insignificant remnant. Because as insignificant as we may feel at times, the Lord's name is never insignificant. In fact, he says of his name, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. Incense, that is prayers, will be offered to my name. And a pure offering, offerings of prayer, sacrifice, offerings of fasting. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And it is great among the nations. It's great among us here today. Let us continue tonight to honor and glorify his name. And so be made ready for when he returns. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he 
Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send him help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning, I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord.
iniquity. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Lord, we beseech you, let your merciful ears attend to the prayer of your humble servants, because with you there is forgiveness of sins, that you may not mark our iniquities, but vouchsafe to us your mercies. Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, unto your church your Holy Spirit, and the wisdom which comes down from above, that your word, as becomes it, may not be bound, but have free course and be preached to the joy and edification of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you, and in the confession of your name, abide until the end. O Lord, the mighty God, we beseech you that you should receive from us the sacrifice of praise, so that we, being set free from the burden of our sins, may patiently run the race that is set before us. Lord God, Heavenly Father, by your Son you have revealed to us that heaven and earth will pass away, that our bodies will rise again, and that we all must appear before the judgment throne. Keep us by your Holy Spirit in your word, establish us in the true faith, graciously defend us from sin, and preserve us in all temptations, that our hearts may not be obsessed with carousing, drunkenness, and foolish cares, but that we may always watch and pray and trust fully in your grace, await with joy the glorious coming of your Son, and at last obtain eternal salvation. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast so graciously protected us this day. And we beseech thee to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.